0: So after a short two-week break, um, we are jumping back into the series on the Beatitudes. We started this about um, a month ago, but two weeks ago we had Palm Sunday, last week we had Easter, um, and so we're jumping back in, and this is going to take us the next few weeks as we approach the summer, which is kind of crazy, and a lot of you won't be here. Um, some of you will be graduating, others will just be going home for summer break, but uh, it's right around the corner, even though there's a lot of snow outside. Um, so we're gonna jump back right back into the series on the Beatitudes. Uh, one of the greatest successes, and I, I watched like kind of short documentaries on this in the restaurant industry nowadays, uh, or at least in the past like couple of decades or so, has been this push towards customization of your meal. Right, so. So, like, Subway, for example, there's always been subs around, and, and a handful of years ago, I read a statistic that said internationally there were more Subway restaurants than McDonald's. I didn't, I didn't actually believe it. I was like, wait, is this, like, one of those, like, Snapple facts that's, like, untrue? But it turns out it was true. I don't know if it still is today, but there's something about just having a piece of glass in front of you and looking and be like, I want that and that and then I don't want that that just really connected with the consumer, Uh, Same thing with Chipotle, right? Like, if they're not giving us norovirus, we somewhat like them. And it's like, oh, I want that. Like, I want pinto beans instead of the black ones. And it kind of blew up. And it's become a really successful industry or part of the food industry. Does anybody know who was kind of the forefront, very successful large corporation that, like, started this whole thing with, like, even their slogan being around, like, you can get your food the way you want it? Burger King. Very good. So let's look at, I'm going to show you something from Burger King from the 1970s. So let's take a look up on the screen. Have it your way, have it your way, have it your way at Burger King. May I help you, sir? Two Whoppers, two Whopper Juniors, and four Coca-Cola. And would I have to wait long if you made one Whopper with no pickle and no lettuce? No, sir. <laughs> hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, special orders <laughs> don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. Oh, well, in that case, could I have the other Whopper with extra ketchup? Sure. We can serve your rosy flopper fresh with everything on top or any. Now that's the way to do things, our way. Have it your way, have it your way at Burger King. All right, so that was a completely unnecessary video that I just wanted to show you because I thought it was pretty awesome. But Burger King in the 19th, or I, maybe, actually there were some commercials that I found that even before that where um, they their slogan was have it your way. I don't know if it still is, but um, uh, their whole thing was how we we're going to attract the consumer and get the American public in here, because we're going to say, like, you'll get it exactly the way that you ordered it, the way that you asked. Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, uh, you'll have it your way. Now, with, when it comes to food, like, that's a good thing, right? Like, to be able to customize the way that you want it according to your tastes, but I think that the fact that this has exploded in such a big way that Chipotle, for example, is like, there's nothing special about the Mexican, like, that, like, that form of Mexican food, right? Like, People have been doing it for years, but why did they blow up so much? And I think a lot of it had to do with research and development, people knowing how much it connects in our hearts and souls even when he says, oh, everything the way that you want it. And coddling that spirit of just you're the boss, you're the consumer, we respect you, and everything that you ask of me, I will do it exactly as you please. It connects with us in a certain way. And again, with food, maybe it's not a big deal, but I think it does become a little bit harmful when we're raising children and even as we're growing up, everything is catered to our needs so that as we approach life, we kind of have this lens that we look through where I'm going to do things my way, it's going to be according to my rules, I'm going to call the shots, and it's going to fit exactly the way that I want. One way that I feel like this can be damaging is when it approaches, like, our friendships, our community, even our church. Like, why doesn't church do this this way or that way? And, and even the way that we approach Scripture, the knowledge of God, the Bible, and how we read it. Uh, in one seminary, or in a Greek class that I took in seminary, one of my professors showed me an actual translation of the Bible that is mass-produced, in which, if you flip through, you'll notice they cut out major chunks that this group who, uh, who uh, made this edition of the Bible deemed inappropriate, you know, that... That must have really not been God saying that. Like, so whoop, we just cut it out, and there's all these verses, like large chunks missing. And I don't think we're in danger of doing that, but where we are in slight danger of kind of just picking and choosing is when it comes to lists in Scripture. So I'm thinking of like Galatians 2, the fruit of the Spirit. Paul says, uh, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And we kind of read it, and we're like, Okay, well, uh, is the fruit of the Spirit in my heart? Well, I'm kind, and, and I have gentleness, but I'm not so loving and not so patient, so, you know, like, that's, that's my version. Or with First Corinthians 13, Paul says, love is patient and kind, you know, it does not boast, envy, rejoices with the truth. And we read it, and we're like, oh, kind of scanning, like, with, like, a metal detector. Where am I in this, in this picture, and that's me, and like, okay, so I'm good. And even with the Beatitudes... We get blessed is this, blessed is this, blessed is this, and we kind of scan, and we're picking and choosing. But what I want to do is is start this message kind of reminding us that Paul, uh, in in those circumstances, and here Jesus is talking about one person. His audience hasn't changed. When we approach the Beatitudes, it's not for us to say, oh, well, verse 4, 6, and 8 apply to me, but the others don't, so I'm good. He's talking about one person. The audience is the same. So although in a sermon series, we can't do a five-hour sermon and go through all the Beatitudes because nobody would come to this church, we kind of have to break it up. But I want to ask that as we read it, as you study it in your devotionals, as you, as you think about it, and as you dwell upon it, and even as in the future when you read it again, to realize that it's one unit not to be broken apart. And so today... We're going to talk about the third uh, verse in the Beatitudes that speaks to meekness. And although I'm just going to be nailing down just meekness, what I want us to do is remember that we're talking about the blessed person as a whole. And, and, and you'll see how, off, how much it really connects with the, with the other verses anyway. So one quick verse that we're going to read today. It's verse 4 in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So first things first is we got to define meekness. It's not exactly, a, it's a word that we've heard before, we know it. I assume that most of us could give synonyms about meekness, but it's kind of hard to define because we're not, we don't use it commonly in our language. And here's uh, a few uh, things that I think describe or define meek well. First, gentleness and kindness towards others, even when wronged or abused. Are the slides there, Herrick? Okay. Not overly impressed by a sense of one's self-im- self-importance and another way to... Disc- Whoa, what is going on here? This is like George Lucas PowerPoint. All right. What the... <laughs> All right. Humility that does not assert one's will or one's way. Can you actually get rid of this? I'm going to just read it over again. Meekness defined. Excuse the, the PowerPoint. It's because of the 1970s video. It's messing all the technology. Gentleness and kindness towards others, even when wronged or abused. Meekness is not, being not overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. And meekness is a humility that does not assert one's will or one's way. Okay, so if you were to think humility, yeah, it kind of applies, but it's really, it has a lot to do with the way that we relate with others around us, and how we respond to things that happen in our lives, and the meekness kind of comes forth out of that, and it shows itself. But the thing is, like, I think we all grow up, like, being taught completely the opposite of what Jesus is telling us to, how Jesus is telling us to be. He's saying, blessed is the meek one. But I think ever since we're little, and even till our dying day, we're constantly told the opposite. So here's some things that I've heard in my life. Fight for what's yours. Take what you deserve and claim it for your own. Don't let anybody stomp all over and walk all over you. Stand up for yourself. Go big or go home. Don't let people talk to you like that. These are the messages that we've not only been taught in repetition since childhood, but what we actually start believing is actually the right way. That we want to give that advice to each other. Don't let people walk all over you. Stand up and like talk back to that guy. Nobody can disrespect you in that way. And, and it's, it's almost like somehow, the, well, not somehow, culturally, it just kind of infiltrates our, our teachings and our, and our thoughts, get jumbled and mixed to the point where it's pretty contrary to scripture contrary to what jesus is asking of us contrary to meekness but jesus tells us that when the as the world looks upon meekness right it's kind of like this powerlessness almost like you're like pathetic or or, like like it's kind of pitiful in a way to just be like the like a carpet that people walk all over but he tells us that in fact this kind of points to greatness in his kingdom he says in the second half of the verse, these are the ones who will inherit the earth. Or in other words, being the ones who are welcomed into and exalted into in the kingdom of God. That if you in fact are meek, that these are the ones who will inherit the earth. So not only this verse, but again, the Beatitudes are all intertwined with each other and how connected in, in the sense that a follower of Jesus really embodies like this holistic humility that comes out in every area of our lives. And that Christian meekness is actually a display of power, not powerlessness. Can you imagine if your God, Jesus, or if the religion that you followed preached a different message? What if the verse said, and I stood up, and we're going to be reading from Matthew 5, 4, and it said, Blessed are those who who climb over everybody on the way to the top at any cost. Blessed are those who always win and have to win and make sure that they win or who selfishly fight for their own way, who fight and argue and claw and scratch. I think when I think about it that way, I realize, wow, like meekness. To be able to be gentle towards others who wrong you, to not be overly impressed by my own self-importance, to have a humility that does not assert my own will or own way, really is a display of power and the power of God. When I was in college, um, I remember it was in the middle of my junior year and winter break. My winter break was super long. I don't know if yours, I mean some of yours is. It was like four, sometimes four point five, five weeks. And so by week three, we're all excited to go back. And you know that feeling, I mean college students and those of you who are graduated, like, when when everyone comes back, it's so exciting. Like oh, like you know, we're catching up again, and there's like the buzz. You have new classes, and you're excited to see each other after a break. Um, so I got back a little bit early, and there are a few others of us who had gotten back to campus in the middle of the winter, after uh, the end of January, and dining halls were closed, right? So we're like, well, we're, we're hungry. Where are we going to eat? And I didn't know at the time, but like my friend was like, hey. Uh, Back at home, like, our, you know, Applebee's does half-off appetizers at like 8 p.m. and after, so let's go get half-off apps. And I was like, okay, I like, have never, actually never knew about that. Um, so we go, we get in the car, there's four of us, and we show up at Applebee's. And we ask the hostess, like, hey, do you guys do half-off apps too? And she's like, yeah, yeah, it's like a chain or like, nationwide thing that Applebee's does. And she told us, well, just make sure that you ask your server what applies to half-off apps and what doesn't. Like, okay, cool. So we sit down. And the server comes, and we're like, excuse me, miss, what are the half-off appetizers? And she said, oh, everything applies except for the bottom left. So bottom left two items on the menu. And everything else is golden because you'd have to pay full price for those, and everything else is half-off. So we're great. So you order a bunch of appetizers. We're eating. We're connecting. like, oh, how was your winter break? Like, oh, mine was good. Mine was good. And then it comes to that, like, they're closing, and we're about to get our check. And she brings the check to us, and we're looking through, and and, and we're pulling out our wallet, like, we didn't have Venmo, so we actually had cash in our hands, right? And we're sharing, and we're like, oh, how are we going to split the bill? And we noticed, like, oh, actually, the sliders were full price. Like, the computer didn't, like, cut it in half. So the waitress comes back. She's like, oh, like, can I get you change? We're like, no, well, actually, could you edit this because the, the sliders are full price? She said, like, oh, I'm so sorry. And she takes it, and she leaves, so this whole exchange, the whole evening, we're, we're having a good time. We're really polite to our server. She's really polite to us, and we're having a good time. And she goes back to edit it, and all of a sudden, we hear Psh, smash. And, you know, people drop things in restaurants. So you kind of get startled, and you look, and, like, someone's sweeping. But we didn't see it, and so we just continue to talk. And all of a sudden, you're like, clang! And boom, smash! she's like something is, like, going on in the kitchen. And she walks out. And now she looks a little different, right? She's got a scowl on her face, like the towel that she, that she has in her hand. She's like kind of wringing it. And then, little by little, muttering under her breath, but louder and louder. Things that I cannot repeat here. <laughs> Cheap A mother efforts can't pay two extra dollars for sliders. And she's clean, like picking up chairs, putting them upside down on the table. Like, like, oh, like, like just like every curse word known to man and we're like what in the world you know like booths at restaurants where like they're like L's right so if I'm sitting this way like another party is sitting this way and if I shake it like they feel it too because it's connected you know what I'm saying I'm sitting here she gets into this booth so this is I'm showing this because I'm talking about how close you we were she's wiping the table down and this is where it starts to get like you thought that was bad Now racial stuff starts coming in. Cheap mother-effing Asians who are so mother-effing cheap. And, like, we're right next to her. So you know Inside Out, the red guy? (laughs) Who's like, like, that's me, right? Like, I'm the red guy. And eventually the fire comes out the hair. Well, I didn't have any back then, but fire is like, Right? And so I'm sitting inside the booth, and I'm like, get, my friend here is here. I'm like, get out of my way. Like, I'm going to get the manager. I'm going to get her fired. She's never going to, like, get a penny from us. Like, I, like the cash that was on the table, I swiped it, put it in my pocket. You think we're going to give them a dollar after this? Like, this is so ridiculous. And I'm, like, ranting and going off. Like, this lady turned into, like, the Hulk. All, she was nice. I don't know what happened. <laughs> she turned into the Hulk, and then I was like, I turn into the whole, like I'm like, yo, have you seen Avengers? I'm like the big Iron Man, too. Like, I can fight back. And I'm fighting back against her. And my friend, who was sitting on the opposite corner. The whole time, he's just, like, keeping his cool. There was One of our female friends was with us, and she's just crying at this point. I'm like, I don't care if you cry. Like, I'm going to get right. Like, justice is going to be served. But my friend, he's keeping his cool, just like, eh, like as if nothing's going on. And, and he says to me, like, hey, put the money back. Let's just get out of here. Let's go home. I'm like, no, Like, did you hear what she It's like, no, 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 I understand that she was wrong. And yeah, th- no, 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 I agree with you. She's ridiculous right now. And like, he's just really calm. And he's, but you know, it's at the end of the day. She just wants to go home. Who knows what's going on in her life? Like maybe people mistreated her today. And that was just like what tipped her over the edge. And I'm like furious at my friend, like, whose side are you? Oh, I'm like, are you, did you open your ears? Did you hear this? And that night, like, I get home, right, and I, and I was a junior. I had a single at that time, so I'm sitting in my room by myself, and I'm finally the adrenaline has calmed down. Like, I'm not shaking anymore. Like, my anger has kind of subsided. And I'm thinking about my friend and thinking about how, like, what was in it? How did, how did we have such varied responses to, this is, that's pretty wrong, right? Like, we didn't even, disres- we weren't really nice. To it. That's pretty wrong like curse words in the service industry, right, of anything. And, and now you're getting racial slurs. And, like, that's, that's bad, right? But why, were, why was he so calm and <laughs> not me? You know, I saw, like, this gentle meekness in him. And, like, when I think meek, I totally think about this brother of mine. Because it didn't, he wasn't, so you know what often gets mistaken as meek is, is fear. So let's say he was quiet because he was afraid, Hey, let's just get out. Let's not let's like oh, let's not cause a scene. Let's not make confrontation. A lot of times meekness gets kind of mistaken for for fear. But he wasn't scared. He made a conscious choice. He made a decision at that time to say, "Hey, let's think about let's 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 give her the benefit of the doubt. And maybe there is none to maybe it's just purely wrong, but let's, let's do our part and just step away." And everything that he, I saw like this meekness in him, and then everything he said, the way he conducted, even his body language, it just breathed out this kindness and this gentleness, this meekness at wrongdoing in this response. You know, when I think about myself, who's very bad at this, and when I think about like a lot of us, right, when when it comes to our range of emotions, especially negative ones, we often blame the situation or the people, right? So, so, i wrote down examples in my, in my life, and I just try, try to think of some stuff that, like, kind of are all-encompassing to us. Like, I'm angry and agitated because people don't know how to drive or because that guy cut me off. You know, this past week, I almost got hit by an old lady who was knitting? True story. What the heck? It's like old folks' version of texting and driving, right? Like, woo, like, You know, like, oh, my God. So... Like, I get angry because of that, or or I'm in a bad mood because, like, my commute sucks and I'm always in traffic, or I'm crabby because I've just had a bad day, like, bad things happened. I'm angry at my boyfriend because he's so insensitive and just wants to play basketball. I'm giving the cold shoulder to my wife because she never fully apologized to me. I'm bitter at my roommate or friend because they were, they're so sloppy and lazy and they don't care about and respect my boundaries or my privacy. I'm angry at my friend because they're always selfish and I'm always giving and they're not. In my situation, I have every right to flip out and be, you know, anger uh, because she used racial slurs. And we always, we, we, we point to the situation or the person or the wrongdoing or the action or the stimulus. But if we were to stop and pause, the reality is that people and situations and stimulus, they don't make Us angry people or impatient people or unkind people, they bring out the anger that's already inside of me. People and bad things don't create the weaknesses, they bring them out, they reveal. And I use myself as a prime example. I believe that because four people in that table all experienced the same thing, and four people had different responses. She did, she just brought out what was already inside of our hearts. So meekness is this part of our character that comes from within. That and when provoked, it just beautifully shows itself in this high Christ-like character. When you are wronged, and just like the song that just like poof, that like emanates out of your life is just like this. It's okay, you know. Like let's just still be loving, and maybe something else is going on in their life. It's a lowering of ourselves for the betterment of others. There's no better example. I would be remiss if I did not point to Jesus Christ himself. And the example that Paul, the Apostle Paul, actually talks about long after Jesus is gone when he describes what Jesus did, who he was. And I think meekness is nowhere better explained, like period, in history, but it's even in the Bible in these verses in Philippians 2, 5-11. through Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What Jesus shows, you know, in this passage just beautifully, beautifully illustrates is meekness. He was equal. He is God. He is part of the Trinity. But Paul writes, Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He empties himself, taking the form of a servant. And then he doesn't just die on behalf of people who didn't deserve his love to begin with. He dies a death even on a cross, Paul writes. And then the second part, he gets this meekness. He he ends up in his being in an exalted form where every knee will bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. When I think about my status that I could not lower, mine was paying customer because customer is right, because we're giving you money, because you're in the service industry, and because, yeah, you might be having a bad day, but then don't be a waitress then. You know, like, that's me, right? Like, my status. Like, you better respect and honor that. And I couldn't lower myself from this little tiny anthill. But Jesus, from being equal with God, does not consider it something to be grasped, but empties himself. This humble meekness is a core trait of authentic kingdom spirituality, authentic discipleship, authentic Jesus following. One commentator writes, and I love this, From the Beatitudes, we learn that the character traits reflecting God's reign in your life, if he's really the king of your life, is chiefly humility towards God and mercy unto others. It's a great line. So in application, I actually want to rewind to the two verses that I didn't show in Philippians that come right before what we just read about Jesus. So verses 3 and 4, and we just read from 5. This is my application point, and if you could write this verse down and just, just kind of really, for us to devote ourselves to these verses as our response. Paul writes, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. How can we respond to blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, or the entirety of the Beatitudes? It's do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You know, recently, we just passed, like, the major awards uh, season, right, on TV, where, you know, like, the Grammys and uh, the Oscars and all that stuff. And uh, if you watch the Grammys, like, it was, oh, no, no, the Oscars, you know, um, Leonardo DiCaprio finally won his first Oscar. And everyone was memeing and so happy for him. And, you know, The Revenant, uh, you know, that's a good film. Now, when when you watch those shows, everyone comes up, and they kind of do the same thing, right? Well, Leo talked about the earth for some reason, but, uh, but it, usually people go up and they start talking about all the people and all the thank yous to how I got here and, like, thank you to the Academy and for this nomination. Now, can you imagine if, like, people came up and were like, oh, like, thank you so much. Like, you know, I just want to say, like, I really deserve this award and to the other nominees, you knew that I was better than you and... I would just like to say that, like, my talent really deserves this recognition and I'm just so awesome. Like, how much we would hate that person. And that doesn't happen. Maybe, actually, a lot of them probably still think that, but at least they humor us and they say thank you to this person and this person, all the producers and, you know, my family and friends. And they thank God, some of them, like, I don't, you know, rappers go up and, like, go and thank God for some reason, you know, like, uh, you know, we... (laughs) (laughs) Imagine if that were the case. And, and, and if what happens is we don't do that, right? And we're not expecting people to do that. And I wonder if, if this were kind of like the guide for our like, speech, if you will, how life would be different in our, not like speech as in presentation, but in our speech, in our speaking. Because we do do a lot of that in the things of like, oh, well, that person did this to me, and they hurt me, and oh, if they were only this way, then that. And I... I, I didn't do anything wrong. And we kind of project our awards. But I wonder if this were kind of the guide. And this would start to plant seed inside of our hearts. And the Holy Spirit would water it and it would start to blossom and grow. And meekness starts taking shape inside of our hearts to actually grow and grow and grow. to the point in which we just project that onto the world. I'm using real examples, right? This happens to all of us. Like, What if people who who have quirks or or things that bother us or always rub us the wrong way that we, instead of having a bitterness or gossiping about them, we communicated them with with them in a loving way or we, we helped them in whatever needs they have. You know what happens so often in marital issues is we blame them for the problems because they did this. You did X, Y, and Z or you are this way. But I think if our message and our speech were different. We would learn to love our spouses for who they are. And instead of always wanting to change them to make them fit our needs, we would want to like, really pour into their gifts and pour into their growth as followers of Christ instead of complaining about them not being a certain way. Same reality with our friendships, with our church community and small groups, and even with the church organizationally. Why, aren't, why isn't that person this way, or why isn't this group this way, or why isn't this, 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 and this? But I think that this would change. Can you imagine our community? Can you imagine the world? Can you imagine your workplace, your family, every relationship in your life, if your like, life was defined by these gentle and kindness towards others when wronged? Imagine this church. I know how, there's conflict here. Gentle and kindness towards other when we are wronged. Not overly impressed by our own self-importance. Choosing humility, gentleness, non-aggression. Humility that does not assert one's own will or way. Imagine how much like Jesus we would really look like if that was the posture of our lives and our hearts and it just poured out. So my prayer is for us to, is first and foremost for God to can plant that seed in our hearts and for it to water and grow and to blossom into something beautiful where we really are sharing and, and rubbing off on each other and all your communities that you go to and that you're a part of. And what I just want to read for you, um, again, is, is these two, the verse that we read and, and for us to take these with us home for today. So first, in Matthew 5, 4, we have, Blessed are the meek, for they shall be inherit the earth. And here in Philippians 2, 3-4, Church, disciples and followers of Jesus, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, just like Jesus Christ, in every way, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Jesus, we want our thoughts, uh, even our daydreams, our longings, our, our desires, our needs, to all be fully uh, just focused on you. We want you to be the desire of our hearts. We want you to be the hero that we look up to. We want you to be uh, the, the, the listening ear that we pour out our hearts to. We want you to be everything in our lives to us. And, and you never fail as example. You never fail to show us um, how we should live and how we should respond in every which situation. And our hearts just long, God, to be those types of people, those types of disciples who change the world because our character really points to Jesus Christ Himself. And we're so grateful. Again, we pause to say thank you for your humility and for your meekness unto us, for the way that you lowered yourself to save a bunch of sinners, that we could be exalted. It's just crazy to think about. And so help us to follow your example, Lord, that we would lower ourselves to the betterment of others and that this world, not, it's not about cliche, but really would become a better place because people lay down their weapons, lay down their arms, even lay down their threats and their voices and their anger so that we can just replace that with love in Jesus' name. And we want to we be that type of community and that type of church. So we pray again that you would do that work in our hearts and that you would commission us to go into our communities, into all the places, and to be a blessing there. And For your glory, for your praise, for your honor. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.